Welcome to What the Fuck Do You Do, a show where we learn about various professions and what people actually do in their jobs. I'm your co-host, Shrey Panda. And I'm your co-host, Travis Fox. And today, the job we'll be talking about is a data scientist. Our guest today is Michael, who is currently a data scientist at a startup in Austin, Texas. He has three years of experience working as a data scientist, and we're excited to have him on the show. to see if they knew what a data scientist does. So we want to play these to start and get your thoughts. Okay. It's here. What does a data scientist do? A data scientist? I have no idea, but I would imagine a data scientist... Isn't that kind of like analytics where you're just reviewing numbers and like data mines? A data scientist, like... (laughs) I don't want to answer it. I don't want to answer it. It, they take, they analyze data. Oh, extrapolate is it, such a good word. I wish I had used extrapolate. They extrapolate uh, information information from large data sets, and they're you really good at the V lookups. They're good at V lookups. They do you a lot can't of V use lookups. The word in the definition, a data scientist takes um, makes conclusions from information. From <laughs> <laughs> in the recording, they analyze. So, what did you think of those explanations? I think they're great. Um, I think that it's probably equally difficult for me to describe what I do. uh, And I kind of like it that way. I think for me, I would describe data science or a data scientist as someone who uses data to solve business problems uh, fundamentally. And that usually involves um, predictive models that help us that help businesses figure out how to spend money, how to attract users, how to prevent users from leaving their company, any number of things. That's great. And and you mentioned a few different, uh, I guess, cases of how you might solve problems, but I'm curious, like, what are some of the problems that you solve as a data scientist on a day-to-day basis? The kinds of problems I'm solving, I've worked at two different, uh, I've had two different data science jobs, uh, And the first one, we were mostly consultants where we were, we, we, we offered a number of different solutions through a product that we had, but we were an early stage startup and our goal was to, um, the goal was really to win over these clients. And so the way we did that was by not necessarily rolling out a product that was really well developed, we kind of had to you know, act as a consultant, we had to solve whatever problem they wanted, which didn't necessarily fit into our product. Um, but generally, the the sorts of problems we were solving, they were propensity model type problems. What is a propensity model? Yeah. Uh, so what's the propensity that someone will buy this product? What's the propensity uh, to leave and churn? Um, so uh, like I worked on, spent a lot of time on modeling what's the problem, what's the propensity that someone will buy a car in the next n days, and then also did some what's the propensity that someone will churn within the next n days. So similar types of problems, but very actually very different when it comes to 
how you use the predictions you get from those models, um, which I can touch on if, if y'all like. Um, now with my new job, it's a very much a product company. And uh, the, the problems I'm working on are uh, how much to bid to buy uh, internet traffic to come to our website. So we're bidding on ad space and I'm trying to figure out how much to bid on each potential user coming to our site. Gotcha. So what are the types of data that a data scientist typically looks at? Yeah, uh, it, it, it really varies qu quite a bit. Um, I can tell you the data I'm working with now is uh, related to mostly user demographics. So how old they are, um, if they are married, uh, if they, you know, what their credit score is, things like that, um, that we have access to and will have access to at the time we have to, to make our prediction to say how much is this, this user, potential user worth to us? How much are they gonna spend on our website? Um, one thing I like to think about when I'm solving a data science problem is what are we ultimately, you know, assuming we're, we're trying to predict something. So mo I'd say most of the time in an applied data science role, you're building models under the branch of machine learning known as supervised learning, which is where you, you, you train your model on historical data in order to predict on, on new data points, unseen data points. So for example, uh, in the case of the, the ad bidding, I would have a, a data set, you can think of it as an Excel spreadsheet, where in the columns you have the age of someone, their marital status, um, whether they're insured or not, credit score, all of these things. And then you'll have one column that you're trying to figure out. And in your historical data, you're going to know that value for all of the users. So in the case of this problem I'm talking about, it would be how much revenue they generated for our company. And so when you're training these, it's a supervised learning problem because you're not, you're not just telling your, your model to, um, to like find insights to mine, if you will, to mine insights in your data. You have a very specific goal. It is to predict one type of thing. In this case, it is how much revenue they will spend. And you have historical data to use to understand the relationship between how much someone spends and all of their other features. And so when you find out an answer like that, or when you make a prediction uh, based on the data that you're looking at, who do you tell within your company? Like, who do you actually work with to try to drive action from that, that sort of uh, finding? You know, there are a lot of problems where you're not actually doing anything with the predictions, but you're training a model to understand the relationship between the thing you're trying to predict and the other features. Uh, it could be, and that's kind of like data analysis where you're trying to say, what, what are the, I hate using this word, but what are the drivers for the thing we're trying to predict? And maybe you report that internally to some business folks or maybe you give them predictions for them to act on. Um, in our case, the company I'm working at, product company, uh, once we are happy with these predictions, we would actually put the model into production. And what that means is once you've developed and tested it and proved that um, it's working the way you want, then you would expose that model um, to your live production environment where users are coming in 
you're gathering their attributes and you're generating some sort of prediction that is being used in your product. Does that make sense? Yeah, so it sounds like you are developing these models to understand the relationship between a lot of variables and whatever it is you're trying to predict. And once you have a model that has established that relationship, you can feed the model more data to generate more predictions. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. So um, I think like the kind of classic example of how supervised learning works is you're trying to predict the price of a home. And, you know, to start simple, you, you have the square footage of the house and you're going to fit a, a linear regression model, which is just a line. So you have on your X axis, you know, you're going to have all the, these house sizes. And then on your Y axis, you have the price of the house. Well, you'd expect bigger houses are more expensive generally. So you're going to fit the best fit line you can to that data. And the slope of that line is the relation, essentially the relationship between the size of the house and the price. So that what that allows you to do is one, you, you understand the relationship, you understand how connected those two things are. Like if the slope is zero, it's just a flat line, right? That means that no matter what the size of the house is, your price isn't changing at all. It's fixed, your price is fixed. Whereas if you have a, a slope of one, and you've, you know, you have to kind of standardize your data. But anyway, if you have a slope of one, that means you have a really strong positive relationship where the, as the house size increases, so does the price. And once you have your line, then what it allows you to do is you get a new data point. And let's say the size of the house is 5,000 square feet and nowhere in your historical data do you have that um, data point well, that model allows you to put a price estimate on it and, and that can help your business in some way. And, and if you think about the line, right, if you have data points all over, you know, around like 0,000 or 1,000 square feet to 3,000 square feet and you have a 5,000 square foot house, you, the person we heard at the clip at the beginning of this, you are extrapolating out from that, right? You're understanding the relationship of your historical data so you can extrapolate out to predict that. You can imagine as you add more variables in, those are gonna change your prediction in some way. And so your model says, okay, um, increase the, the price of the house by $10,000 for every square foot, the number of bedrooms in the house increase it by $50,000 for each additional bedroom. So when you get that demographic data, this person's female, all that, you pass it into your model, your model spits out a prediction based on their attributes. That's really helpful. I feel like I actually understand that with that kind of like realistic example. Um, I'm, I'm curious, like what were the steps that you actually took to change your career um, and, and launch it in the data science world? You know, my background, I came from, I started, I studied economics in school and, and started working in finance and then started uh, coding my first finance job and, and really liked it. So I started looking for other careers and got into data science. So it really, for me, uh, you know, I think of data science as the mostly, you know, you need to have business knowledge, you need to have software engineering knowledge, and you need to have um, that more scientific knowledge, the more theoretical, you need to be pretty good with math. Um, and that was the weakest point for me because 
I think uh, I, the first thing I addressed when I was starting on this path was the, the software engineering stuff. I was learning how to code all that. And then the business side um, from working in finance. Um, and so I had to do a lot of work on the other side um, to be in a place where I could get a data science job. And, so given that this requires a lot of technical knowledge, do you have to have some natural skills or abilities in order to become a data scientist? I don't, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I do think it's probably more demanding uh, intellectually than, than other jobs. You know, you, I think you have to be really comfortable with, with stretching yourself and, and there are no like, um, autopilot days in data science, which I love, but you know, that I, I think that could turn some people off to it is, is, is there aren't like, you don't have like every two weeks I have to produce this report and it's going to take me this amount of time. Every day is different. And, uh, I think you do have to be, want to stretch yourself. I, I, you know, I, I think that most people can probably do it if they, have the right <laughs> attitude. Um, I definitely think there's so many great resources online to learn for free or, or basically free. Like that engineering course you can take for free or you can get a certificate for 50 bucks. So um, it's, it's definitely, you can definitely get all of the skills you need for very cheap. Um, but that doesn't mean that even if you have all of the skills, your resume will look good enough on paper to get an interview. I think <laughs> that that could be tough. So having the credentials and resume are essential in getting an interview or not so much. And you could potentially demonstrate all the necessary skills in an interview. I, I think that you could demonstrate it all in an interview. Um, I, I just don't think you could get that interview um, without knowing someone which is, you know, often the case when it comes to, to getting interviews is it's really hard without knowing someone, but I'm certainly not in the position where I can apply online and like do a cold application and get responses that doesn't happen. Um, I imagine there are some folks who have PhDs and really impressive backgrounds who, um, you know, they do get hits, they get all, and they get all sorts of LinkedIn attention, um, you know, which is, I don't have an issue with, you know, a PhD is a huge time commitment and it's, it's, it's really impressive to follow through. Where do you go from here? What is career advancement as a data scientist and, and where might you end up after a decade, two decades of working in this field? Yeah. Well, I, I don't think I know what it'll look like in a decade or two decades because it's such a young field that I think it's due to have, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of changing with what data science means and what data scientists do. Uh, right now, I think it's it's similar to engineering in that you kind of have a um, individual contributor growth path, and you have a management path where you know you can get into become a data science manager, director, VP, and then chief data scientist, chief data officer, chief CTO, whatever. Um, with the management path. And then there's the path of um, individual contributor who's leading initiatives 
is probably mentoring people, but isn't directly managing them is still coding themselves is, is getting to work on the like really challenging data science problems and is setting the company's, um, what's the word? I guess roadmap, I don't like using business jargon, but you're setting the roadmap with respect to um, what your data science group is gonna do. Um, and so those people are called like principal data scientists or, and you'll have like some people call them fellows. Like once you're just a boss, individual contributor, you're, you're a fellow, which I think is pretty cool. I have a, a question for you. It's, it's something that we're hoping to ask our listeners and the guests on the show is, you know, we've now learned a lot about data science, but there's a ton of other careers and professions out there we still know nothing about. What are you, what job or career are you curious about? What would you like to learn more about um, through the show? I'd go for something unconventional, I think, like a maybe a chef. I love food, and I feel like that job has a lot of different demands, but it, yeah. Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining us on uh, the first episode of Under the Hood. You were a fantastic inaugural guest, and we appreciate all of your insights. Thanks, boys. It was an honor. Thanks again for joining us on What the Fuck Do You Do with Travis Fox and Shrey Panda. If you enjoyed listening, please make sure to subscribe to us so you don't miss out on future episodes. And if you're interested in a job that you're curious about being featured on the show, check the link in the description and let us know. If you liked this episode, we hope you subscribe to us on YouTube and Spotify and share the show with your friends. We really appreciate your support.